1: It's a new week, which means it's time for a new Fenway Rundown, Mass Lives Red Sox podcast. I'm Chris Cotillo, Sean McAdam, my co-host, will be joining us in a second, as well as a special guest today, and uh, this is someone that any sports fan knows. Chris Mad Dog Russo is on the show today. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit of Celtics. That's a rarity on this show because I'm not a basketball guy. I mean, I'm a college basketball guy, not an NBA guy. Sean McAdam, uh, far from an NBA guy, but feel like, you know, something we got to talk about with Chris Russo with the way the Celtics are going right now then we get into baseball talk the league as a whole the Red Sox how they've been doing even where Shohei Otani is going to sign so obviously a legend in this business Mad Dog Russo and really happy to have him on today talking about a lot of things in a short amount of time which is kind of how he's made his career so hope you enjoy it there's Chris Russo Our, uh, our Fenway Rundown guest this week needs no introduction, but we'll do it anyway. It's uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo. If you're a sports fan, you know him. Host of Mad Dog Unleashed, heard daily on Mad Dog Sports on Sirius XM Radio. The host of High Heat Monday to Friday on MLB Network and also Seen on First Take. Chris, we really appreciate you uh joining the show and uh reconnecting with an old friend at Sean McAdam here. Uh
2: nobody likes McAdam more than me Christopher. Nice to be on. You guys <laughs> are moving and uh, let's do some sports. So here we All go. Righty.
1: Sounds good. Let, I mean this is a baseball show obviously. We're baseball riders, but uh I got to give you the chance as the city of Boston sits here and weeps and mourns to do a Celtics minute or two and just give us your thoughts on the disaster that is Joe Mazzulla and the Celtics right now.
2: Yeah. yeah. Joe Mazzullo might find himself out of a job is what it comes down to. Uh, just like Doc Rivers, just like in a lot of ways, Budenholzer in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, uh, the Celtics are a little more patient. And obviously, he's sort of Brad Stevens' uh, pick. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not sure where they stand with that. But if they get blown out again tonight and don't show any effort and put the performance in that they did the other day, uh, he may not last. I mean, that was a disaster and the heat there's not a worse scenario to be in as a team when it appears that you've given up that the other team has taken a heart away from you and when that occurs that is for a team or for an athlete individual sport whatever the sport might be team sport that is as bad as it gets when it looks like you've you know thrown in a white towel and you very well can't compete and you can't win and the Celtics looked like that there a couple of nights ago. So if the Celtics come out again tonight and give you that kind of performance and basically get blown out, I I don't know how to read the game. I think they will play a lot better and they show their competitive fire. But if they don't, and Missoula going to have to go. I mean, you know, he hasn't been a uh, he hasn't been red Auerbach, back to, you know, to say the least. Timeout scenario, lost games to Atlanta, home record bad. Uh, Philadelphia game five. Tatum played great in game seven, but I'd be a little worried about him. And I'm not I think the Celtics aren't going to win a series, but right now it's about pride. See how they handle it tonight. I would think they play well, but who the hell knows? I'm surprised they're in this three hole, uh, three hole deficit to begin with. I'm not sure how to read the game. Very tricky game to read, guys. Very tricky game to read. Miami is going to play well. Do the Celtics have enough gumption to go out there and give you a good effort? Let's see.
0: Yeah, Chris, I would argue that even a competitive loss tonight does not reflect well on Missoula. If you're getting swept by an eight seed when you were the clear favorite to win, especially once Milwaukee went out, uh, that's hard to justify it. Now, if it's another 30-point blowout, it's really bad. But I think even a five-point loss – and a and a and an exit where you don't win a game after the second round does not right. reflect well on the coach.
2: Yeah, I, I would generally agree with you on that, uh, Sean. What I don't know, and you know, he's pretty close to the vest. You know, Stevens has done an excellent job putting his team together. I don't know quite now how he feels. Young coach, give him another chance. Uh, you know, learn from. Or this is unacceptable. We have big stars making big money. I got to have better than this. And there are a lot of coaches available, too. Nick Nurse is a perfect example, you know, that would be available. So, tricky call. You guys would know that better than I would about the avail- about what, hit- what his status is with a bad performance tonight. I think the big qu- first question is, what do the Celtics have him in him? The Celtics tonight go out there and play a big game and play real well. I wish I had the answer for you. I don't have the answer. I'm not sure anybody does. To be quite yep. honest with you,
0: mm-hmm. who knows? All right, let's move on to
1: baseball, Chris. True.
2: Yeah,
1: Go that's ahead. enough. I mean, McAdams' NBA knowledge we just uh, covered in about ten seconds. There. So.
2: <laughs> uh, he loves the hockey too, though. He loves the hockey too. That's right. For
1: that. um, just, just as we you know kind of move on to. Your general thoughts on this MLB season so far. I mean, who, what has stood out to you? Obviously, the rule changes are a big piece of it. Some surprising teams, some disappointing teams. But what have been your biggest takeaway so far for the first, you know, month and a half of baseball?
2: Well, the rules, of course, has been great. Uh, you know, I even had an NFL guy on yesterday who's not a baseball fan who praised the rules. Loved the way the games move along. I think everybody agrees that uh, the changes have been beneficial to the game. So that's number one. Uh, you know the power of the AL East is an interesting scenario. They dominate with the balanced schedule. They've done great against the other divisions. I mean, obviously, I didn't think Tampa would be matched the 78 Red Sox for home. Is that what it is, Sean? Aren't they?
0: Yeah, for best. Red record. Sox.
2: Yeah, something like that. Uh, right out of the gate at home, I didn't perceive that. Uh, You know, the Red Sox have been competitive, the Yankees, you knew they'd get better once they got looking. And it's amazing about the schedule. Think about it for a minute. The Yankees had that terrible loss in Tampa two weeks ago, where Cole blew the six nothing lead and they lose two out of three and the Yankees were really in trouble. And who'd they play right after that? Oakland. And they won three straight. It's amazing how that can really help when you play a team and, you know, when they pop up on your schedule. Uh, But the dominance of the American League East would be number one. I think the Mets and the Phillies, and to a certain degree, Seattle, three playoff teams from a year ago. They've struggled a lot. I think that would be surprise number two. I don't think anybody thought the Mets would only be a couple of games over 500 at this point, and that's with a big winning streak. The Phillies have been awful uh, under 500. And Seattle, you know, we all know they can't score. But with that kind of pitching, with, you know, 13 cracks at the A's every year, or every, um, you know, in the a, in a course of a season, you didn't think they would be a couple games, you know, in and around 500, either up, uh, over 500 or under 500. And those are three playoff teams from a year ago. So there's about three or four teams that I thought would be a lot better, and they still very well could be at the end of the day. But I'm surprised at the, 25, at the quarter poll, essentially, 45 games, that they are that bad right out of the gate. Uh, I think that's on uh, the American League East would be something uh, that I would be a little surprised about. I guess you got to throw the Padres in too, though, right? But yeah, absolutely. One thing, the one thing about the Padres, though, they did this two years ago, guys. I mean, two years ago, they really disappointed. They got the manager fired. Uh, you know, they didn't have, obviously, uh, Bogarts, but they did have Tatis and they didn't have Soto, but they still had Tatis and Machado, and they were awful. Couldn't live up to the hype and fell apart, didn't even make the playoffs. And so I'm not shocked that they are tr- having trouble. There's a big difference between being the hunter and the hunted. And I think that San Diego is beginning to realize that everybody wants to play in, everybody wants to beat you when you show up on the schedule. The Yankees deal with that. The Dodgers deal with that. And I think that's taken them a little while to get used to. Um, but I'd be very worried about them. But I think the teams that we thought were going to be good, and you guys named the last one, uh, having struggled so much is a very interesting theme in the first
0: 25%, 30% of the season. Yeah, and Chris, what about the notion that Ken Rosenthal has advanced, which I think is a good one and a smart one, that San Diego is very good at spending money, very good at making the dramatic acquisition and maybe not good at all at roster building. They 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 see a shiny bobble out there on the trade market or free agent front. They have to get it. They have all these stars. They've generated interest. They've sold tickets. But do they give any thought to how well it's all going to fit together?
2: Yeah, how it's going to gel, Sean. Uh, you know, sometimes you need some two sixty hitters who are going to be grinding through games, who are playing for their lives. Playing for the next contract, who you know how to take the extra base, hit behind a runner, uh, you know, who can gut their way through five and two thirds to keep in the game. Uh, it can get in there, lefty specialists who can get a couple of big outs in the sixth inning, because you know their meal money depends on it. They may not have enough of those guys. You know, Bogarts is making three hundred million, Machado's making three hundred thirty million. Tatis you know making a fortune Uh, Soto is gonna make a fortune maybe he's got his eyes on greener pastures with Boris as his agent so I I, you know Musgrove and Darvish and Snell all making a ton of money so I think there is something to that I, I do think there might be a little something to that and I I don't you know they haven't been through a lot of crises together and this is their first one And how they handle it might be very, you know, is is interesting. And I lost two out of three this week to the Red Sox. That was a very bad performance, getting booed out of the building by a very passive fan base, which tells you how frustrated they are. But I do think there's something to that, Sean and Chris. I agree. I think that uh, it's one thing to procure all these players, and it's another thing to have them fit perfectly and have a competitive, balanced team. And maybe San Diego's failed in the latter. That's quite possible.
0: So we, we've talked about some disappointing teams, Chris. How about some surprising ones, uh, clubs that have exceeded your expectations? I can think of, you know, maybe four right off the top of my head. Let's see what Well, you
2: Arizona would be one. I, I yep. don't think, you know, everybody thought they'd be athletic and more competitive. I don't know if anybody thought they'd be seven or eight over 500. And remember, they beat the Dodgers five out of eight to start yep. the year, um, which people got to give them credit for. They have a little pitching. Kelly's pitched okay. Gallon's good. So I, I think Arizona would be a team that I have to give a little credit for, that they are a little bit more competitive. I think the Red Sox, uh, I think the idea, and Sean, you made this point to me I, the other day, they haven't played a lot of bad teams yet. Haven't played Kansas City. Haven't played the A's. Haven't played Washington, Colorado. All these teams are on a schedule. And they've done a nice job. I uh, you know, they've been pretty competitive. They're feisty had a couple of injuries, they, uh, they, you know, they've done a nice job. So I think that's a touch, and especially in this division where there's so many good teams. I think I'm, uh, you know, i got to be a little surprised about how well they have played. Texas, I didn't think they'd be 12 over, but I figured with Bochi, I figured with, uh, even with DeGrom's healthy and sketchy health, you know, Seager and Simeon, and the kid who's got the 45 RBIs is a good player, Garcia. I figured they'd be a little better. I didn't think they'd be 10 games better. And I guess the last one, Sean and Chris, would be the Pirates. I mean, I don't want to go crazy because they're coming off a bad stretch, but they were 20-9. and They played a little better in the last seven or eight days. Their starting pitching has been pretty good. You know, they've gotten a competitive start. They got it through that good winning streak where they had the six-inning scenario for like 17 games in a row. They've had pretty good starting pitching, and they lost their shortstop had a big injury. And a team like the Pirates can't usually withstand that and be competitive. And they've done that. So I give the Pirates some credit, too. Am I missing any or no? Is that yeah, about the, right? The one I'd I throw I in,
1: Baltimore, for sure. Oh,
2: yeah. That's fair. Fair. Yeah, I didn't think they'd be 31 and 16. Yeah, that, uh, I, I agree. Uh, the Orioles would be one, too. You knew they had the everyday team. You weren't sure about the starting pitching. Cano came out of nowhere. They got a great back end of the rotation, uh, the bullpen. You've seen them. They've beaten the Red Sox 3-3 three and three against the Red Sox. Um, you know, so and they, the big series for them against the Yankees. They don't play well against the Yankees, yep. as we all know, in the last 10, 12 years. Lost their first series at home this year to the Yankees. Go to New York now, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yankees are playing much better, hitting a million home runs. Um, so how they pay, fare against the Yankees will be interesting. And they've played well against good teams. Beat, played very well against the Braves. Beat Tampa at home. So they've done pretty well against that. They beat Toronto in Toronto. They've done good team, done a good job against good teams. But the Yankees always seem to be a big test. And you're right, i got to include the Orioles, 100%.
1: Yeah, with that being said, Chris, how do you, I know you said, you know, the strength of the AL East is a big takeaway for you. Red Sox and Orioles, pleasant surprises, obviously. We've seen with the Rays, have Don, the Yankees are on the up. How do you handicap the division right now, one through five? I mean, these are five teams that could all make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I, that that won't. I don't think all five will get in. Right. Uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, Houston and Houston and let's just say the American League Central winner, whoever it might be, only one team there. You got to Houston's definitely going to make the playoffs some way, somehow. Uh, that uh, you know that leaves you Texas and Seattle. You know, figure Seattle's going to make a run with their great starting pitching. Texas has got off to, to a good start. They have plenty of money. That do some things at the deadline. De maybe he gives them something eventually. We have to wait and see. So you got to put them in the mix. And if, and if I put, say, I put one of those in with the with with the uh, AL Central and and Houston, that's three. That means three teams out of the American League East. Let's give Tampa a spot. Mm-hmm. So that's two of the other four. Uh, I think the Yankees are definitely going to get in. So that would give me one out of. Baltimore, Toronto, and the Orioles. I'll let you you guys pick which one out of those three would get in. If I have choreographed the first half of the American League postseason correctly with those, you know, the A.O. Central, either Texas, Seattle, Houston, Tampa, the Yankees, and you need one more, who would that be?
0: Do you eliminate the Red Sox as a legitimate wild card team?
2: I I think the Red Sox would get a spot. I do not. Sean and you know I don't think you do either I think the Red Sox could definitely get a postseason spot they they have some feistiness they're competitive I'm assuming he's going to spend they make a move at the you know in in two months to fortify themselves they got a little makings of a pitching staff right now with Sale and Paxson Bellows pitch much better so they got a little makings of a pitching staff I
0: would think that the Red Sox are in a mix uh second half of the year would you guys agree yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I mean, the fact that they are four or five games over 500 at this point, uh, that they have played, I think, the toughest schedule in the American League to date. And they've also dealt with significant injuries. Now, no one's going to cry about a big market team with the payroll of 200 million having injuries. Everybody has them. Other teams have been hit harder. But when you think about the fact that they're going to get uh, Story and Duval back uh, in the next couple of months, Those are two pretty impact guys that could really, you know, change how that lineup looks. So um, I I would expect that they'll be in it at the deadline into August. How far after that? I mean, people forget they were, you know, at 500 last year at the deadline and then it went south quickly. Uh, I think they're going to be in better shape this year in August. How well, how far that carries into the schedule, we'll have to see. I didn't know about Story. I thought he might be out all year. There's a chance he'll play in the second half. Yeah, I I think that's the expectation, that he'll be back after the break sometime. Probably not until late July or early August, but I think they're going to get, you
1: know, seven or eight weeks out of him. And people forget. Yeah, people forget. I mean, this is like, this is supposed to be the second best player on the team. You know, he's such a forgotten guy because he had a bad year last year and there was so much turnover and he got hurt. But I mean, this is a guy who, but they paid a lot of money to, to be in impact guy. And they think, you know, he can play short. Obviously we saw what Duval could do in center field and, and especially at the plate, the first week, week and a half of the season. So you know, those are big additions. And then they haven't really been at full strength pitching wise either. You know, Whitlock's going to be back next week. John Schreiber's out right now. I mean, there's a few guys that um, you know, they're going to get a lot of guys back in a full strength. I mean, um, I think there is a ceiling.
2: And I think also there'd be some juice, you know, the Celtics, as you said, Bruins knocked out first round. Pats are okay, but, you know, there is eight and nine team. I would think there's a little window. We Sean and I always talk about this, Chris. I think right now there's a window uh, for the Red Sox. It's sort of a feel-good story, a little bit of a surprise. That's usually the best way to have it when you don't expect much and a team plays well. And probably from Memorial Day right up until, you know, Labor Day, there's a window for the Red Sox to sort of have um, – Uh, a little piece of the action in Beamtown, take over the town a little bit. So this is their chance. Is that
0: correct, Sean, or no? Yeah, I I think so. I think a lot of people are still a little skeptical about uh, how legitimate these guys are. But coming off a last-place finish, and I think very lowered expectations at the start of the year. uh, I think generally people are happy about what they've seen through the first almost two months of the season. And now it's a little bit of, okay, let, let's see how, how real this is and how legitimate they are.
2: Right. And I think, uh, you know, it's a, I think there's a good chance they can be. You got to figure, though, in the American League, National League not as high. You got to figure in the American League it's going to take, uh, you know, it's probably going to take about 88 wins to get in. right? Yep. It's going to take about 88 wins. Are so the Red Sox currently – they're not an 88-win team right now. I don't think – I think we agree with that, Correct.
0: Right, this second. Yeah, they're they're not as currently constituted, but you know, right. factoring in the returns of some injured players uh, could change that. And the other thing we don't know is what's the impact of the balanced schedule on victory totals, right? Because you're not going to be playing, uh, you're not going to be beating each other up as much in the AL East in the final two months of the season because you're only playing 13 times against those teams instead of 19. So does that allow for? You know some of those AL East teams to fatten up on the win total,
2: yeah. I, I, but you know, to have six teams over 90 wins is a lot, yeah. That's no a question. lot, so, so I mean, you know, I, I think right around the high 80s, 88, 89. I, if you told me right now, if I was a Red Sox fan, you know, we're gonna sign you up at 88 wins and see where we stand, I'd take that, right? I, I would take would. the idea that if you gave me 88, I'd take it. And I'll gamble that I'll get one of those last spots, fifth or sixth, and I'll play a best of three, and then I can have Sale if he's healthy, and why not? He's you guys know him better than me. He's pitched great lately, yep. and I can have him going out first game. I got a chance. I mean, that's so that's the way. And we've seen out of the wild card round, we saw it last year with Philadelphia. You can gain a little momentum from that standpoint and do some things. So I like the new playoff system. I know it hurt Atlanta last year with the layoff. I kind of like it play uh, Premier hurt the Dodgers too. Uh, I kind of like it, um, and more playoff games the better. And I do think the um, I think the Red Sox got a chance. Now I do think the Yankees are going to be in the playoffs. They're playing well right now. They're going to get Stanton back, albeit you know he'll get hurt again. But they're going to get him back eventually. Rodon's going to pitch eventually. Severino has returned. The Yankees have a very good bullpen. It's got an uh, under three ERA. Yankees are, you know, Yankees. Now, I don't know how they're going to hit big pitching in the month of October. They couldn't hit it in previous years. Too many home runs. So I leave that. That's an open question. But as far as the Yankees to the end of the day, they're going to be one of the six teams making a postseason. I'd be shocked if they're not. I really would be.
1: Chris, as we wrap here, we'll both go you know rapid fire to put you on the spot. And Sean's question, not sure what it's going to be, but I'm sure the word Bruce is going to be involved in it somehow because I think that's how you guys generally roll when you talk. Uh, mine is this. Where is Shohei Otani going to be playing a year from right now? I think the Dodgers. Uh, I think uh, I think the Mets will
2: offer more money, but I think his heart might be a little bit more on the West Coast. Uh, the Dodgers would love nothing better than he getting a guy from the Angels. They didn't make any moves this year. Uh, I think next year he'll be on LA.
0: Interesting. Um, now uh, I know that you recently had a trip to Eastern Europe. And what I want to know is why you did not plan that trip better to be able to see some Springsteen shows in Europe while you were there.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, um, I would say the first first part of that is, unlike your Mrs. Uh, Jeannie Russo is not a huge Bruce fan and Colin Russo, the third child who we traveled with, he, he's not like Tim the oldest who is, he's not a huge Bruce fan. I could have gone to Paris on the 13th, Saturday night. I did consider it, uh, but that was the day that I came home could have gone to Dublin to see him on the 5th or the 7th, but I went to Dublin last year, and Jeannie was not just going to fly to Dublin to see Bruce and fly out. She would have want to stay for a little while. Uh, but I probably should have worked it out a little better. But I think the scenario being that the two of them are not Bruce nutcases, like, say, my, my son is a good fan. The oldest loves him. Took him to Newark. And myself, or like you, Sean. And I don't call you a nut Springsteen fan. You're a very good Springsteen fan. Uh, you and would, I wouldn't consider you a nutcase Springsteen fan. Is that yeah. Gonna... Well,
0: my shows are in are in double figures and not triple figures. So that That's I, I risk expulsion from the BBWAA because of that. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny. Um,
2: but I yeah, I, I I thought of Dublin and I thought of Paris. Um, you know, he's there for three months. He's playing in Italy right now and. I, I know, and, I, he, and by the way, he is playing in Vienna, July 18th, so I did look at that, and he is playing in Munich, I looked at that, and those are two cities that I visited, and I, I was asking all the people with, and, and and they spoke English, I asked a lot of the dr- drivers, waiters, concierge people, you know, that kind of folk, I asked, uh, you know, where would he play, what stadium. And you know, they, I don't think he's playing the big stadium in Munich, but there are plenty of places. That twenty-five thousand to thirty-five thousand seat stadium, lots of places. But he is playing Munich, Sean, and he is playing Vienna. So I did. I just picked the wrong times to visit both spots. To be first, honest, with first world, first world problems, Chris. First, <laughs> yes, indeed. But that's a good question, Bruce. I should have. I, I should, I've never seen him in Europe. And Sandy, by the way, here's a good one for Sean. I didn't tell him this. Sandy went to go see him. My and Sean, our mutual friend, went to go see him in Dublin. He ah. took his girlfriend, okay? He saw him in the middle show of the three in Dublin. Yep. He took his girlfriend, who saw him in Newark. She's not a huge Springsteen fan. It was only the second time she'd ever seen him. Those two spots, she thought Dublin was better.
0: Yeah, well, that's what everyone says about the European shows and the crowd. So uh, that that'll be on the bucket list at some point.
2: Hopefully. Well, you never know there, Sean, based on the idea this could be it. So I may not get an opportunity to. But I did tell you, Sean, that I made sure I went to go see the date and the set list of Crosby, Stills and Nash in Notre Dame, November 5th, 1977. You tell me, Shawnee, how many people would notice them written on the wall and then have my 21-year-old, Colin, when did they play here? What was the date? Get me the set list. And then where was Notre Dame that day? Montana four touchdown passes. They beat Georgia Tech sixty something to twenty four. And that day, and Stills is a big sports fan, so maybe he went to the Montana game against you Georgia Tech, know. and then walked across the street and played twenty three
0: songs. You, Who the hell you know? never know. Always You're looking out right. for me, Chris, on the music, and congratulations to your daughter, a recent Notre Dame grad.
2: You're the best, Sean. You're the best. You know that. I love it, Christopher. Great job. Thanks for having me on here today, pal.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it. That is the uh, Fenway rundown for this week.